what has helped me get to this spot is knowing every single day what I'm going to do mm-hmm. already. So now I'm not making that decision. I'm focused on how do I actually be impactful in that area? And you're just putting yourself a step ahead of everybody else who's trying to figure out what they're going to do today mm-hmm. versus how well they're going to be in that area. If they were to say, I'm going to stay committed to this hour or two hours for the whole year, that impact, that compound effect of doing that activity every single day, pushing people to the side during that, I can't talk right now, I'm in my prospecting block. Like that's just a small example. Man, that'll get you the results if you stay committed to it. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation, and welcome back for another great episode. I've got a fun one heading your way right here, right now with Eric Watkins, who is president of Abstract Marketing Group, where he's worked his way up from operations intern to the very top position in just an eight-year span, talking about fast-tracking. By the way, he was awarded the Workforce Magazine's Game Changer Award and in 2022 was honored as one of St. Louis's 100 Titans. Titan sounds pretty cool. Abstract Marketing Group, in case you're not familiar with it, is based in St. Louis, Missouri, and is a a business growth agency serving over 1,700 clients nationwide. And they're a full-service lead generation company made up of 500-plus employees offering both inbound and outbound solutions for their client partners. And by the way, Eric, and I love this about him, we're going to dive into this today. Eric is also co-host of The Growth Show which is a podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs with a growth-driven mindset. His weekly episodes share real stories and actionable insights from experienced leaders. Eric, welcome to Lead the Team. Thank you, Ben. I don't know if I deserve that introduction, but I'm fired up now. I hey, feel man, special. We just, I just present it like it is. I mean, man, and you know what? There, you've got way more accolades, and so does your company. We just had to narrow it down to the ones that we thought were super <laughs> cool for our audience. And he also gets the Neon Sign of the Year Award. For those of you who can't see it, you know, he, you know, we talk about Eric's podcast a little bit in a second, but uh, he's got a really cool growth show neon sign behind him. And man, I have got neon sign envy. And we're going to see, we, there might be a neon sign. And lead the team's future. You yeah, know, we'll see. You're you give me ben already might get uh, himself a neon sign. Uh, I always get inspiration from our episodes, uh, but rarely this early. There so, you go. This is cool. All right, so lots of directions we need to head in and things we need to cover. But first of all, what in the world? Intern to president. So intern things that pop up in my mind. I'm like, how do you overcome being known as the intern to be like, oh wait. This intern that just started over here, I think he's presidential material. Like, what has that journey been like? It's been it's been crazy. And uh, I'm extremely grateful. And I think mm-hmm. along the way, you know, you you look back on all the people that help you get there. You absolutely don't do it by yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I really yep. have to boil it down, you know, over the course of the eight years, all it is is trying to get 1% better every single day have a good attitude, work harder than anybody else that's around you, 
And when you put your name on a piece of work, be proud of it. Do it to the best mm. of your ability. And I, I just did that and I wanted it worse and I worked harder than everybody else that was around me. And eventually that begins to speak for itself and you have a track record of results and you're able to have different opportunities and people want you to continue moving up. Well, and so when you say work harder, uh, how does that translate into what it looks like in your day? Sure. So I'll relate it. What I, I like to tell this story to, to new hires starting out. When you are coming out of college, you have this, this thing with your group of friends of, you know, you're on group text and you're talking about your new jobs. And, you know, what I'll, what I'll have from my friends is they'll be texting each other all day and they won't hear from me. And they're like, why, why don't you respond? Because I'm working like <laughs> I'm out here working. I'm trying to get better every single day. And, uh, you know, that that's like an, an example of I mm. wasn't worried about doing all that. Like if I was here at work, I was here at work and present. And did I put more hours in outside of work? Absolutely. But I think the biggest thing is throughout your day, being as intentional as you can with your activities and trying mm. to get the most out of them. Uh I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm really glad because the word that comes up to me is focus. And Cal Newport, um, who you, who people we talked about a little bit, he, he's an author, wrote a cool, he's a Stanford professor, wrote this book called Deep Work. And it simply is formula for getting work done is time plus intensity. And so what I hear you saying is, yeah, you're putting the time in but you know how to amp the intensity up. And if you're, if you're responding to group text and by the way, you know, I'm guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. It, uh, there's, a place, day, there's a time and a place for sure. It's a distraction. It breaks you out of flow and texting is, is, is a terrible distraction. And it does keep you from doing your best work, putting your best foot forward because you know, you're just breaking up your focus. It was funny that it, it reminds me of a story little tangent real quick of I was living at home right after I graduated. So from my internship, ultimately got hired on full time. I came home. It was my first week of working here. And my sister was at my house and my sisters loves me, I promise. But as I tell the story, you'll understand our relationship a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But I showed up right at, it was like right at 515, which means I left right at five, came home right away. And she's like, I thought you had work today. I was like, I did. She's like, well, what are you doing home already? I was like, well, you know, work ends at five and I took off. She's like, well, if you want to do that position for the rest of your life, you should keep doing that. If not, you know, if you want to move up, you should put in more work and stay later and show them that you want to move up. But it was, (laughs) it was interesting at the time. I was like, what are you talking about? And then something clicked in my head. It's like, we, we're all going to have to work for a lot of years, Hmm. you know, 35, 40, 45, 50 more years. We're going to be there every day regardless. Why not get the most out of it? Why not be as impactful as you can uh, to, you know, to set yourself up for do what others won't now so you can do what they can't later. I really love that quote. Try to live by that. So, so what's your philosophy when it comes to not burning out and work-life balance? Because the shadow side of this intensity sure, and this focus, one thing is to work a long day. But if you do like these productivity strategies of like the Pomodoro technique, or you don't, you, you know, you don't give yourself a break to reply a lot to the group text during the workday, you use up your energy faster, you know, in a lot of ways. So what's your approach to managing all that 
uh, for yourself so you can play the long game? Sure. So great question. First off, managing energy is super critical in this. So I don't, I don't want to give off the sense that I'm staring at a computer for 10 hours a day, not moving, not doing anything else. Mm -hmm. One of the benefits we have here, we, you mentioned we have 500 employees. Almost everybody is here in person in St. Louis. Wow. Okay. So I'm walking around, talking to other leaders, getting inspiration, you know, filling my tank, so to speak, and filling their tanks, you know, recognizing people like that sort of breaking up the, the things that you're working on with doing makes that sense. is, yep. yeah, makes a huge impact. Yeah. Great, great idea. So intensity and working doesn't mean necessarily a repetition sure. and taking charge of your work day, bringing in variety, breaking up with meetings, you know, manage it by work, walking around, working around, walking around, getting out and, and seeing your people, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things that, that really came to me looking at your background uh, is this quick rise from intern to president. And I suspect there are probably people there that have been there the whole time. And you went from, you know, hey, you know, Eric's the intern. Eric's getting coffee for us and helping people. And I think a lot of listeners could be in that position where like, I've been a manager for a while in this company and I want to move up but everybody still sees me as the manager. And it, it seems that you have navigated that and overcome that. What what advice do you have for leaders who feel kind of stuck or pigeonholed in their job title? I would say, well, I, first off, I had the benefit of working at Abstract Marketing Group and what we've always had, our, our mission statement is about growth. You know, growth is at our mm. core, growth is in everything we do. So I was always surrounded by I had the benefit of being surrounded by go be whoever you want to be. Like if you want to be mm. CEO one day, go go shoot for it and be CEO. So kudos to our ownership and leadership for always doing that. Uh in addition to that, I still think, you know, at times people box you in and you know can label you as oh this they're they're a good manager, but I don't see them moving farther, moving yeah. further mm -hmm. from that position. Number one thing is results. So mm. people are always, you can, you can have opinions and everything, but you can't argue with results. So if someone, if you have results in your position that you're responsible for a, that are in your control or B that, you know, are a little bit outside of your control, do whatever you can to achieve those results. That's kind of step one, because you, you create results long enough. People can't deny the success that you're having. Mm -hmm. Number two is the constant development. Go outside, read books, read articles, listen to podcasts, do things to separate yourself from others. And you'll see, they'll naturally, when you're bringing new ideas to the table, you're talking about books that you're reading, you're talking about articles that they're competitors you're researching, and you start speaking that in front of the group, they're going to naturally start to look to you mm. as, mm -hmm. all right, this, this person's on the rise. Like this person's ambitious and and knows what's going on yeah you, you're really hitting on something there that i think a lot of leaders miss because it's too easy it's so easy to be a manager and speak the language of being a manager they're not gonna you're probably not gonna get a position and still you until you start speaking the language and having the mindset of someone in that position so exactly. if you want to be ceo or you want to <laughs> be president no matter what your title is what do presidents care about? Well, they care about the bottom line. They care about profitability. They care about 
the external world, external forces. And if you're not reading it, if you're not taking the time to learn it and speak it, I think that's going to, I don't know if you ever ever overcome that unless you, unless you really put the effort there. That's, that's a huge point. And I I think, I think that mixed with finding mentors within your company, you know, Mm -hmm. our CEO, I had the pleasure of growing up under him really in this organization. He's kind of led me every step of the way. So that, uh, that has been super beneficial, but then being able to take that and going out, reading my own books, seeing what other companies did and have, have experienced is just uh, been a really good combination. You know, that's a really, that's a real common thread on this show, um, is mentorship and being proactive. I mean, maybe, maybe he found you, I don't know. Uh, but a lot of times you got to go find your own mentor and maybe you got a work mentor that's working out great but you're trying to achieve some things in your personal life and it's important to be proactive. What uh, do you seek out or how do you, how do you think about mentorship from other aspects in your personal life and maybe other aspects of work? Yeah, I think about, I sort of reverse engineer it. So Mm -hmm. I look at who, who is in a position that I would want to potentially be in. So maybe they have a great family life or maybe they have a great, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, they're in a different spot, or maybe their company's in a different spot. And then what did those, I try to look at what if those, what qualities, what traits do those people have? And yep. when I, not, not comparing yourself in a bad way, but just looking, you know, based on how I stack up against that person, where are my gaps? And then who can help me fill those gaps? Is it that person? Is it someone else? You know, yeah, so important. And that's a great, I think, for listeners just to remember. I mean, what Eric's saying here, it's to be on the lookout and identify people. And he gave you a great filtering process. Someone that's it's so easy to surround ourselves with people that are like us or ourselves. It's sort of like sure. this bias we have because we're comfortable. We're talking about things that are in our comfort zone and whatnot. And the Jim Rohn quote of you, are, you, you are the average of the seven people or five people that you spend the most time with. Right. And um, being on the search to level your skills up in different areas. And it's maybe one of the greatest life hack of all times is just to spend time with people that are further down the road than you and, yeah. and uh, absorb that. I guess it's leadership development by osmosis. Yeah, I I think that's great. I think you pick up a lot from the people around you. We we actually had this training here internally. It was called Tall Poppy Syndrome. I don't know if you've oh, heard of that. Oh yeah. Tell, yeah. Yeah, good. Explain it. So though. so just the the act of, you know, people feeling self-conscious really about their success and then others wanting to cut them down along the way. And I think if you're yeah. strictly at your own level, and you start to advance a little bit further than maybe some of the people that at, in your peer group at work or whatever it may be, and they start to cut you down, or why why are you putting in those extra hours, mm-hmm. or you know that's not worth it, or I would never want that. It's so much different than if you set if you surround yourself with people who have are five years past that, and they remember that step in their their progression, and they can be like, oh, what a great step that you took moving forward. Yeah, they're kind of out of the zone of being threatened at that point. Sure. Like there's, you know, so much further ahead. Uh, and I think I think that's great. And you and people know, and I'm glad you mentioned tall poppy syndrome because 
it's important to be aware of that. And oftentimes, sometimes it's overt, but a lot of times it's very subtle. You know, you're working and they, you may feel left a little left out or they're, they'll say something like, uh, Hey, where were you last night? We sure did have a great time. You missed X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, you know, you're working on some important stuff and you're trying to find the right balance or, you know, people that are in, just simply encouraging you and saying, you got this, uh, versus saying, uh, oh, you're setting yourself up for failure here. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you're ready for that? Yeah. Are you sure you're ready? Oh yeah. yeah. That, that's a big, are you sure you're ready? And of course, inside you're like, well, no, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, just, but you move forward anyway. And that's how you ultimately are ready as you have done it before, which is by Absolutely. doing it the first time. My goodness. So, so good. Well, I, I don't, I, we could stay in that area, but I really want to get touch on the podcast because sure. you're a president with a podcast. It's a president, president with podcast. a podcast. Yeah. And what has that experience been like? Um, being a president with a podcast. It's been, it's really been great. I will be honest, starting out. So we started it about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Starting out, I didn't know what to expect and we were not very good. So it's it's myself as president. It's our chief revenue officer who has owned and run and sold companies uh, previously. And then it's our CEO who, you know, this mm-hmm. is like his fifth business that he's done and uh, entrepreneur and you know, we, it's a, it's a good group with a lot of different perspectives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, when we started, we weren't good at all. Like we, you know, a lot of ums and uhs and everything that, uh, you don't want to hear on a podcast, but we had good content. We knew we had good content. So over the year we've been able to rework it. And what I'm most excited about now is the format that we have. Mm-hmm. So our CEO, we has, you know, our company's going to be $60 million dollars. Uh, or we were $60 million about right now. And we're shooting for 80 million at the end of this year. Congrats. Yeah. That's thank fantastic. you. It's, it's a, it's a big deal for us because the revenue, not, it's not just about the revenue. It's that equates to the growth for our employees and the growth for our partners as well. So it's sure. a direct reflection on that. But hmm. uh, he started this company, no outside funding, started it himself from scratch, $0 and what he goes through is 50 for 50. So here are the 50 things you need to do to take your company to 50 million. And it, these are just gold. They're, these are things that we've done internally. We failed multiple times to be able to put these in place. So that part, that section's great. And then we have our chief revenue officer that does tales from sales. So he's going through 50 topics of uh, how to sell revenue. And and he's world-class in sales and uh, you know, getting deals across the finish line. And then I cover uh, mining for what we call mining for growth gold. So mm. we're a sales development company. So all the lead generation uh, topics and I go through the 50 things you need to do and strategies we use to be able to drive more leads. And then we have a little fun throughout. Obviously, it's very laid back, similar approach to your podcast, uh, but it's been a blast. It really has. Mm. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. And so looking back over the last 
year and a half. What's been some of the greatest uh, learning that you've had so far? What's interesting is we've realized how valuable originally we created a podcast because oh we want to get our brand out there and you know our name and uh you know help us drive new sales Mm -hmm. but as we've gone through what we've realized is how impactful this actually is for our internal employees and then also our our current partners so we we really look at it now of course we want to continue to grow the brand and get the name out there but it's a we go through things that we do here internally. So we always talk about the importance of explaining the why. Someone can pop in a podcast episode for 25 minutes and they can hear exactly why we do certain things in the organization. And it's in addition to that, it's almost like a in, internal MBA program for our employees. Mm-hmm. And then for our partners, a lot of them are in a spot where they're 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. They're trying to get over the hump and they'd love to be to 50 million some, at some point. And these sales tips to help them with the leads that we deliver and then also uh, just how to structure their business has been really impactful. So I, I didn't see that going into it, how impactful it'd be for that group. And so what's been the response from your employees? They're, they love it. Like there's, you know, we do, we challenge our employees weekly. We have maps, which is something we could get into. I think one of the things that one of our 50 for 50s, which mm-hmm. is the weekly one-on-ones, but we have a pro- professional growth project every single week. And a lot of them for their professional growth project will just pick, I'm going to listen to the podcast and mm-hmm. do the, do cool. my takeaways. So it's, it's been really cool. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people do believe that a podcast is about Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or Brene Brown. But that's a very limited, narrow scope. A lot of people are listening to those, but there's a lot of possibility within a smaller group of people that really care about the people that are doing the podcast. And I mean, think about it if you're a company leader out there right now. I mean, your employees want to hear from you. And they don't want to hear another email. They don't want to read another email <laughs> because they get 150 a day at least. And it's hard to put a lot of, infuse a lot of personality and tone into an email. Exactly. Right? Chat GPT can only get you so far and uh, they, they skim it, right? They don't even really like read it, read it. And then the town hall, a lot of times town halls are like one to many and it's PowerPoint slides. And even though you might have a, something a couple of jokes and business results okay okay but a a conversation approach where they're actually it's like you're speaking to one listener and you're in their ear and maybe they're doing laundry maybe they're driving or working out but that duration is a long time and you have got their ear for a long period of time and your episodes are running like 30 to 45 minutes from what i'm seeing so they're longer and you may never have that much time with them as you do on your podcast episode. Right. Yeah, I I actually explained it in our town hall uh, yep. Wednesday the same way. Of, okay, let's hear. You know, the, the benefit is if we, every time we made a change as a company, we would love to sit one-on-one with every individual and explain it. You know, if I could, if I could sit one-on-one with 550 employees 
and tell them exactly why we made a change. It's just not possible. I wouldn't even have enough hours in a day to be able to do that. But if we can get everybody to listen to the podcast and hear exactly why we did something, it's it gives all of that same context and feeling and the human aspect. Uh, and it's, it's as close to as a, a one-on-one as you can be. And I think that's really important. Well, great example leaders, man, Eric, that, I mean, well, such an important way for leaders to reach 500 people, 10,000 people, a hundred thousand people, a podcast scales. And what a lot of people don't realize is like in a town hall, they got to show up when you tell them to show up because that's right. what it's going to be. If they want to participate. Um, they can listen to recording later, but it's not as engaging. But in a podcast, they can listen to it while they're away from their email. Which all of you read saw this? McKinsey coined the phrase "email apnea" because they 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 determined through some research that people dread their email, and when they go they open their email, they're actually holding their breath oftentimes. <laughs> so I've never heard of that. Yeah, email. I yeah, believe you it. Can look at email apnea. And people, it's just not a pleasant experience. Now, is it a necessary evil? Yes. But if you can get your message to them in a different mindset, it sinks in more. You know, they can be out walking the dog, listen to Eric talk about inspiring thoughts about the goals for the year, uh, you know, and, and what's great going on with the company and the challenges ahead. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's huge. We're, and I mentioned this because uh, an executive from Dell posted about it, so it's it's out there. But we we have a podcast, and we we have done some internal work with them on it, and it got a very similar uh, response. It also allows leaders to be more vulnerable. I don't know if you found that to be the case, but Absolutely. you can tell more stories, you uh, be more vulnerable in those spaces. Yeah, which is huge, right? Which is huge. You, no one has all the answers. No one's got it all figured out. We try to talk about our failures just as much as ideas to improve your business, just because you uh, half the time you learn more from those. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have a favorite failure that you like to share? Uh, a favorite failure? I would say one that comes to mind, I don't know, it's absolutely not my favorite. There was nothing fun about it, but I... We were talking about it earlier before we started, but I I became president in November 2019. So time frame wise, five months before COVID took off. Just enough time it, to get your name played on the on your desk or something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I so it, you know, March, as soon as it started, like and by the way. Right before it, I was like, this president thing's pretty easy, man. I got this nailed down. Like, yeah. Like this is this is good. I'm I might actually be good at this. Mm-hmm. And then uh then it hit and all of a sudden you start hearing the reports and it started rolling out the beginning of March. And then it was about towards it, it might have even been beginning of April, but then all of a sudden, in almost one day, it felt like we lost 17% of our business like that. Oh. Boom. People are like, we're shutting down. I had to lay off my employees. You know, it was, it was fear central at that point. We all remember that time. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to leave our houses for a while. Um, and me as a leader, I, I just kind of froze. Like I was just like, I, I don't even know 
what to do at this standpoint. And I, I wasn't like giving up by any means. I was just like, man, this is bad. Hmm. And our, uh, I got to give credit to our CEO. He was like, we got this. And he told me later at the time, he was like, I didn't know if we had it for sure, but, <laughs> but I knew that's what you needed to hear. Uh, yeah. um, but just that little bit of like, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. We're in it. Can't do anything about it. Everybody's in it. What are mm-hmm. we going to do? Because the reality is, is the nature of our business. What, what was interesting is our clients that left, our cl- sorry, our clients that didn't leave and that stayed ultimately had a lot of success through the end of that period because what Mm. happened was the first thing everybody cut was all marketing sales expense so no one's out there doing marketing because they're trying to protect the clients they have so it made it less competitive we got in touch with more people we made connections but maybe they couldn't even hear from their own company and it turned out to be you know it, it was just a really good learning lesson for me of a always always be prepared for the worst you know, mm. always be looking around the corner, what could go wrong, looking at potential threats. Yep. And then B, when bad things happen, just take a step back and attack the problem. Like, you, mm. you know, it's it doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to act a lot of times. Man, such good insight. Thanks for sharing that more personal one. And man, have y'all come out of this thing growing and swinging away. We grew by 1% in 2020, which was, yeah, I was, I think I'm more proud of that than our, you know, we've grown by like a minimum of 20% every year in our business. But that 1% global global shutdown, man. All right. So that was a big deal. We've only got a few more minutes left and we covered some great leadership topics and podcasting, but let's dig in a little bit to what you guys are so great at which is the marketing piece of this. So I was intrigued by a a post you made where you said that individuals are 27 times better cold callers on their best day versus a bad day. And that you have a formula to make more best days, which who doesn't want that kind of consistency. So what's, so what's your approach here on this formula? Sure. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's so interesting, right? At the end of the day, people always want to what I will what I'll call train above the surface, which mm. they want to change your word tracks. What are you saying? Learn more about the industry that you're talking about. Mm. Like th- that's all important, but at the end of the day there's this foundation and if you, the foundation isn't set, all of that doesn't matter. So the way is if you picture a pyramid, it kind of works like this. Mm-hmm. So at the very bottom is our beliefs and how we, two people, same thing could happen to them and they could react in very different ways because it depends on their belief system. So it starts with our beliefs and then our beliefs actually lead our thoughts and our thoughts, mm-hmm. we have 50,000 mm-hmm. of them a day and our brain is wired to filter, you know, to using the reticular activation system to filter the ones that seem the, that we deem the most important. So example, you know, our our body is wired to spot risk. So oftentimes the thoughts that creep into our head are the the uncomfortable ones or the scary ones of uh oh, what if I do this or this would be bad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then those thoughts become our words and our words ultimately become our actions, our mm-hmm. actions lead to our habits and our habits determine our success. 
So what we talk about and what we train on here is uh, with our reps here internally, if they're a new rep, making cold calls is not easy, right? Calling a stranger, I might get rejected. Definitely an acquired taste, I would say. Definitely an acquired taste. But once you once you have it, it's an incredible skill to have. But they will start and their belief system may be, I'm not ready for this. I don't think I'm prepared. I don't, you know, all, all of these negative beliefs about their ability to do it. And then they hit dial and the phone starts ringing and then their thoughts come in. They're thinking, oh no, don't pick up. What am I going to say? What if I mess this up? Et cetera, et cetera. Then that leads to their words, which is come out uh, all jumbled. <laughs> they don't have a good pitch. You're like, you called me and yeah. you don't have a thing to tell uh, me? Like- yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've all been there, right? And then, uh, then from there, that's going to lead to a bad experience because the prospect is probably not going to want to talk to them. So now they have solidified this downward spiral of getting people on the phone is bad. And so now they're going down the wrong path. However, the other path would be they write down their I am statements or their belief statements at the beginning of a day of I'm the best caller in the world. I am prepared for this. My training set me up for this. I can't wait to show, to get somebody on the phone to be able to show them what I can do. Then now they repeat that, do whatever they need to do, get themselves in the right mindset. So now they're hitting dial. And then instead of all those negative thoughts, they have a post-it note on their desk that says, I'm the best caller in the world. This person, it's a bad day to be a key decision maker because if they get on the phone with me, we're meeting with them. I'm setting an appointment, <laughs> right? And then that yeah. person picks up. It's a completely, it's a completely different conversation. So we've estimated, we've run the numbers of, you know, it's your best day ever. You're on fire. You're having success versus, you know, you have, you're having the worst day ever. You're down. You've got negative feedback, et cetera. We estimate that you're 27 times better. And what's crazy, you didn't learn anything new. You're saying the same words. It's just your belief, your mm. mindset, and how you're thinking about it. So that's it's a longer topic, but that's kind of it in the nutshell. First of all, that that's a very powerful way to describe it to people. And I'm glad you shared it that way. Cause I think it's gonna really resonate. And I can see from personal experience, yeah. Like when I'm I'm making calls and whatnot, if I've had a great morning. I am a hundred percent more confident, more relaxed in those, in those conversations and meetings later, but it doesn't take much. Sometimes it could be something personal, a rough start with the family or some kind of drama or whatever, school stuff and the dominoes fall the wrong way on that. And they give momentum to the wrong thing. And I think if you understand this framework, like Eric's talking about here, it helps you sort of reset and like, hey, wait a minute. This may be how things started, but this is the activity I'm going to get into and preparing myself to, to understand how this all trickles down. I mean, it, it has a much different effect. Right. How often are sales leaders pulling their uh, their account executives or their SDRs into a room and training them on their mindset? Not often. How often are they training on what they're saying? A lot. So yeah. I, I just think this or, or the what import- they're selling will change yeah, the product, but they won't change the change the mindset. Right, and it it, it it's the foundation. So you know yeah. that's the I think that's the biggest thing here is that 
we need to start as sales leaders focusing more on that belief system and in you know working on controlling your thoughts yeah. and focusing on them on positive intent great great takeaway eric we're, we're out of time here uh but i want to open it up to you to either share something from, from your like your leadership perspective or if there's a sales tip other than mindset because we hit that pretty hard uh, that you want to share because I know that's near and dear to your heart and what you what you and your organization are really focused on. So take it sure. away. Sure. Uh, I would say one one of the things we were talking about earlier was focus, and I'm a huge believer in time blocking. I know it's not a new concept; a lot of people do it. Uh, but as just someone who's, you know, you asked me what has helped me get to this spot. It what has helped me get to this spot is knowing every single day what I'm going to do mm-hmm. already. So now I'm not making that decision. I'm focused on how do I actually be impactful in that area? How do I bring intent? What am I trying to get out of it? And you're just putting yourself a step ahead of everybody else who's trying to figure out what they're going to do today mm-hmm. versus how well they're going to be in that area. I would say, you know, from That's that perspective, one. it's Super Such important. a good one. And time boss can be tricky because people block the time, but they don't decide before they get there what they're going to do during that time. And they spend their whole time block trying to figure out what am I supposed to be working on, which I which can be a positive thing. But right. It'd be better just to figure it out. And then when you get there, just work like crazy. And and then say no. What people don't want to do as well is they don't want to say no to people. So they'll block their time. But then somebody will come in. Like a a perfect example is a sales rep has a block of self-sourcing activity, which nobody loves to do. They love to sell. They love to be on the conversations. They don't like to go find new prospects and set appointments. So anything that comes up will absolutely go over that block at any given time. But if they were to say, I'm going to stay committed to this hour or two hours for the whole year, that impact, that compound effect of doing that activity every single day, pushing people to the side during that, that I can't talk right now. I'm in my prospecting block. Like that's just a small example of how. Yeah, I, I love that. It is it gets focus and discipline to really make sure you're prioritizing the the things that get you the results. And man, that'll get you the results if you stay committed to it. Um, Easier but, said than done. For sure. And there, there's so much internal resistance. I mean, very few people enjoy getting rejected, cussed at, uh, hung up on. Yeah, nobody that's, does. That's the job that gets you to get to do the activities that you do enjoy, which is the engagement part. Right. Might Got be it. worth the Necessary price. evil. Mission. Yeah, exactly. Eric. Fun, fun interview. Everyone, let's uh, let's check out the Grow Show here. It's like a lot of cool stuff um, going on over there. And I uh, look forward to hearing more. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much, Ben. See ya. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping.
Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.